Angeles. Have a very Merry Christmas. So, are your lady live out here? About the past six months. Why'd you go with her, man? What's up? Because I'm a New York cop. Can't just pick up and go that easy. John, I missed you. or be carried out, but have no illusions. We are in charge. Think, damn it, think. We've got a fire alarm. I thought I told all of you I want radio silence. Sorry, I didn't get that message. Mayday, terrorists have seized the Nakatomi Plaza. This channel is reserved for emergency calls only. Do I sound like I'm ordering a pizza? Possible crank call. Check the area confirmed. No signs of disturbance, dispatch. Welcome to the party, pal! Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? Yippee-ki-yay! You hang in there. Mount the coast. We'll get together, have a few laughs. Welcome to the Motion Picture Podcast, and today we're going to continue on the train of holiday movies in honor of, you know, Christmas coming up, um, well, with a more, I guess, controversial movie in terms of a, being a Christmas movie, um, which is Die Hard. Um, it's directed by John McTiernan, who has directed movies like Predator and Hunt for Red October, um, I'm a fan of Predator. I, I did not like The Hunt for Red October. He also directed the one of the sequels to Die Hard, Die Hard with a Vengeance, which is probably the most well-liked of the Die Hard sequels, and I also did not like it that really? much. Yeah. Um, it's the one with Samuel L. Jackson and Jeremy Irons. Um, those are the only two I've ever seen. I never saw Die Hard 2, never seen Live Free or Die Hard. I've never seen A Good Day to Die Hard, which is just an awful name for a movie. Um, a good day to die hard, but I mean, it starts out strong because, um, this is easily one of my favorite Christmas movies and one, I think one of the best examples of an action movie. And I'm, I'm just going to start with like a lot of, I guess, high praise. Um, but I do want to ask, um, I'm going to start this off because this is, um, when, whenever there's like, it's always interesting whenever some movies, get brought up, you can, there's always, like, certain things of, like, conversations that go with it, and the big thing that always follows when people talk about Die Hard is if it's a Christmas movie or not, and I, before I state my opinion, Audrey, I would like to ask, is this a Christmas movie? No, it's just a movie All that right. coincidentally happens during Christmas. I am in the camp that this is absolutely a Christmas movie, um, for a number of reasons. There's a number of reasons um, and first off, they play a lot of Christmas music in this. Like, and then I think there's also the, um, part where, you know, obviously, spoilers, um, where, like, he kills a guy and steals his gun, but, like, writes ho, ho, ho on the, his, like, sweat, sweater. Like, there's a lot of Christmas elements. Um. So funny. I, I, again, like, I think there's, you know, a constant debate on if this is a Christmas movie. Again, we, I disagree already. Um, but this, I think, is very clearly a Christmas movie. And a really good one. Um, 
I think what it does so well is this is very well paced. Um, oh, where I agree. I so much agree. So it doesn't, you know, start off with action. There's a good bit of setup. But that setup is not, like, so boring that it feels like relief when we get to the action. Like, it is done, like, the setup time t- is perfect and well done, and then when you g- actually get to the action stuff that you're there for is also really well done. I um, just love Argyle. Argyle was my we will We will talk about Argyle and talk about, really, the characters, because that's where this movie really shines. Like, it has good action scenes and good everything, but it's the characters where this really wins, um, really kind of takes off. Um, first, I mean, you got Bruce Willis as, uh, John McClane, uh, awesome name for, a uh, action star hero. Um, and this was, like, his first big blockbuster role. Um, he had been a, like, sitcom comedy actor for, for a good bit. Um, and I, I'm trying, I'm gonna look up, just to make sure, who was considered for this role. Um, because there were a ton of people considered, um, for the role, uh, alright, we have Frank Sinatra, the singer, um, Clint Eastwood, Clint Eastwood, uh, Paul Newman, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, Sylvester Stallone, Mel Gibson, Kurt Russell, and Richard Gere, um, we're all, uh, Robert De Niro, Burt Reynolds, I mean, they had a ton of actors. Um, I like, and it ended up going to like, I mean, back when this came out, like Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone were kind of the big, you know, action stars. And, um, this guy was just a, just a dude. Like it was just a guy. Like he wasn't this, obviously, I mean, like he's not, um, he's not like unfit, but he's not this like giant 100% muscle kind of dude. He's just kind of a guy. He's just a dad, really, at the end of the day. Um, and I think that's worked so well. And it kind of, this was kind of, I think, one of the first action movies to do that, where instead of it being this unstoppable, bulletproof, you know, action uh, silhouette, it was just a guy you'd meet. Like, I, I have never been to New yeah. York, but I feel like these are how, like, New York cops would act back in the 80s. No, because it, it's so bad whenever you watch action movies and you see this big buff dude, like, get beat by, like, some tiny little villains. Like, what? Um, I like how it's, like, not unrealistic. Yeah. It's very not. Um, and speaking of villains, um, I think this movie has a top three action movie villain of all time. Bro, um, it, do you know how long it took me to figure out Hans was also Professor Snape? So, um, Alan Rickman uh, plays Hans Gruber, which also, amazing name for a villain. Um, and this, very similar to um, Bruce Willis, he hadn't really been a big actor. Um, he did a lot of theater productions. He was a very theater person. And then, um, I guess he got noticed and then got put into this movie as the villain and just... Um, what, what I think he does so well, um, is just, he has, like, he is not really physically menacing, but the way he acts, and he's just very professional at what he's doing, um, which makes him a very formidable villain. Yes, he always seems to be, like, in control. 
Yeah. And very rational. And Ex- that's what makes him scary. Except for one scene, which I would like to talk about because it makes the movie very interesting. But um, then we also have uh, Reginald Vell Johnson. Um, that's his name. Um, as Al Powell, the uh, cop who helps um, John McClane from the outside. And he is also fantastic. Um, and he kind of... What's done so well with his character is they could have easily, with these kind of movies made it just a straight action movie, you know, but it really adds this level of heart that you don't always, you know, see. Um, because while, like, while I was not, like, crying or sobbing at this movie at all, like, it really does have some very strong emotional moments, especially with these two. Uh-huh. Um, and then, as you mentioned, uh, Devaro Div- White as Argyle, um, who is... I des- I think deserved a lot more screen time. He was fantastic. Um, and then there's one other actor. I'm trying to find. I can't. I can't find him on the cast list. Um, is this the guy? I can't remember the guy. Can't. I can't find. I think. Hold on. I'm gonna. I'm gonna have to look up the guy because I can't find what he looks like. I'm like who plays the rich dude? In Die Hard, that I'm, I'm looking it up because I can't can't remember who plays them. Um, I'm I'm currently looking this up because I can't remember who I don't know who the actor is. Um, so I'm now currently. Uh, is he is he considered an antagonist? I mean, he's not like actually. An antagonist, but he's a terrible guy. I'm, I'm like looking up. There's like it's. Are you talking about the dude that hit on? Holly? Yeah. But uh, I can't. Hey, yeah. Uh, I'm trying to find. Holy cow! Where is? Where's cast? Where's cast? Okay. Okay. I am now trying to find. Where is he? I can't. Is it this guy? No, that's the other... No, that's the head of the guy. There he is. Okay, his name is Hart Bachner. Bachner. Um, and he plays uh, Harry Ellis, who is this kind of... He's a company... He's an employee at the company um, where all the action takes place. He's very sleazy. Uh, not great guy. Hits on John McClane's wife. But he is so entertaining... At the same time, I think uh, his scene, uh, his big scene, I think you know which one I'm talking about, near the middle-ish, is one of the best scenes of the entire movie. Uh, It has one of uh, the best lines of the entire movie, um, because he has tried to work with the bad guys on uh, getting Bruce Willis found and killed so everyone can leave, and he says... Hans, Bubby, and it's just, he's, like, talking to a dude who is, like, holds hold everyone hostage, and he's just treating it like a normal business meeting, and he is, t- I mean, it's funny how between this guy... It's so bad. It's so bad. I'm over here like, do you shut up? You're gonna get people killed. And it's funny between this and uh, Paul Gleason, who played the principal in Breakfast Club... 
Um, he plays Dwayne Robinson, who is, uh, I think, LAPD or yeah, LAPD police chief, um, who is also a terrible guy. It's funny how some of the most likable moot character, the most unlikable characters of this movie, aren't the villains. Um, oh, because, you're so right. Like Hans Gruber is a terrible guy. Like he is awful, does awful things, but you kind of just love watching him. Because he's, oh, again, no, so, so good at what he does. And and that's where I want to go into what I think makes his character so interesting is because for most of this, you're kind of led to believe that he's, like, a terrorist, where he's doing this for a cause, you know? And yeah. what it does so well is it kind of, you think that it's going to be one of these where he has, like, a, a backstory or something for what he's doing. But... He's just doing this to make to get money. That's all he's doing. Like, there's no, you know, I'm sticking up for my people, or I was, um, you know, treated bad as a kid, or I was doing, I no, he just wants money. That's all he wants. Like, he's not a complex villain. And then he tried to put the police or the FBI in like a wild goose chase, free my people, and blah 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 yeah. blah 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 blah. Like, it's just fantastic, and I think it is. You know, just one of the best villain performances. Uh, obviously, rest in peace to Alan Rickman. Um, <laughs> uh, and, I mean, I, I can't say R.I.P. now, but I do, and it stinks that um, currently Bruce Willis is facing uh, dementia. Um, and he was, I mean, I don't think he was ever one of the best actors, but he has been in movies I love, if that makes sense. Like, he has been very key parts in movies like The Sixth Sense and Looper, and Unbreakable, like, he is a good actor, but, like, he is, this is his best performance, that's, uh, that's what I'm gonna say here, I think this is his best performance that I've seen of him, um, because this is when he was still young, and he was very, very expressive in this movie, and when you get to his later movies, he kind of becomes, like, generic action guy, like, what this movie was not doing, um, I mean, I think this is one where it's really hard to hate this movie. You know? Because... Yes, I do not like action. I really don't. But I really like this movie. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of action, but another thing I would like to think, show, uh, like say here, I am not at... Like, I love action movies. I do not like action movies where most of the heavy action scenes are just gunfights. Like, that does not interest me. I am more of like... Either car chases or, like, hand-to-hand combat. That's where I prefer. Now, there are... There is ways to do a good shootout. Um, there's a movie from, uh, I think, 1995, if I'm right in that. Yeah, called Heat. Um, it's directed by Michael Mann, who has a movie, Ferrari, that comes out next week. Um, and it stars uh, Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, and Val Kilmer. And that has a very big uh, shootout near the two-hour mark, and I think that's a really good scene. But, like, action movies where, like, the majority of it's, you know, gun shooting, it's really hard to make it stand out. You know? Um, uh, it's I, also very cheap. Yeah. Like, there's not much to it. it. And that's why I think this one, why it having, like, this heart uh, really comes into play because... Yeah, it has these action scenes where people are shooting guns at each other, but it's never generic. And I think the reason it's not generic is because we've seen movies like this before. 
But this kind of started its own subgenre. Um, where, like, there's a bunch of action movies where you could say it's uh, Die Hard, but blank. And you could attribute that to so many other action movies. Um, there's a movie from uh, 1994 called Speed. And with Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock. And that's just Die Hard on a Train. Uh, or a bus, not a train, a bus. Um, and that's also a pretty good movie. Um, I recommend Speed because it's pretty good. Um, but like, there's just a bunch of these kind of action movies where you're like, alright, it's kind of like Die Hard. And Die, uh, there's a movie uh, seen a few years ago called Cliffhanger uh, starring Sylvester Stallone, which is Die Hard on a Mountain. Like, there's a bunch of these examples where it kind of started this trope now. Um, which is why this doesn't really feel generic, you know? Um, it doesn't feel like, alright, we've, and uh, that's a problem now with movies releasing. There's a movie that released back in April called Ghosted, uh, starring Chris Evans and Ana de Armas. Um, and it is, like, one of the most generic films ever made. Um, like, so much where it genuinely does feel like it was written by AI, and, like, no human could have possibly wrote this. Are you for real? It was so... It's on... Uh, I think it's on Apple TV. And it is one of <clears throat> the worst movies I have seen this year. Um, My father refuses to have anything Apple. Apple TV, I think, is growing into a pretty decent streaming service. Um, I mean, it's we're obviously in the point where you have to have, like, at least five if you want to have everything. Um, right now, I think Netflix and Max are kind of the best ones to have. Agreed. I like Max. Max um, is so good. Max has, I mean, obviously, like, Max has, like, shows, uh, Succession, Barry, White Lotus. Like, they got Euphoria, even though I've never seen it. Uh, Netflix, I mean, they have shows, but they're also... I like Hulu better. I have not... I've seen some things from Hulu. Um, The Bear is a fantastic show. Uh, have you heard of The Bear, Audrey? Only from you, and I don't even remember. Um, it stars uh, Jeremy Allen White, who was big from uh, Shameless. Um, and then it's about a restaurant in Chicago. I highly recommend it. Uh, please watch it. It's so good. I've, okay, I've heard of it, yeah. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. It is one of the best shows of the year. But, um, like, there's... And Netflix is the, ver this is the king of it. Where there are so many generic movies that just get oh dumped God. to Netflix... Um, they had a movie... Wait, I recently watched a really good show that came out this year. What, it was what, really what was it? It's called School Spirits. I have heard Spirits. of that. I have heard of that show. It's pretty good. I like um, it so far. But, like, um, I think 2021, they released a movie called Red Notice, starring, um, uh, Ryan Reynolds, Dwayne Johnson, and Gal Gadot. And it is yes. the most, like, conventional, uninspired action movie ever made. Um, and again, for as much, and I think Die Hard, even though there's a lot of these you've seen in other movies, I never felt like I, even though I knew what was going to happen, it's never like, alright, we've seen this before, we've heard this before, it's always keeping, it's like, it's always interesting. Um, and whether that be through, um, really good comedy, again, I think, um, what's his name, uh, Harry Ellis, even though he's a terrible dude, is really funny from how, like, just kind of, not annoying, like, he's obviously annoying, but just kind of how in over his head he is. Um, 
Um, but I think some of the one of the henchmen to Hans Gruber, uh, Theo, who uh, does like all the tech stuff, he's really funny in this movie. Um, there's a lot of stuff with uh, Al, the police officer, who's really funny. Like it's very oh, funny. Um, but then, what I think, re- even though I'll, I'll mention, I've already mentioned one of my favorite scenes. Another one of the best ones is you got uh, Bruce Willis's character, John McClane. He's been very injured in a shootout. Um, a lot of glass hitting him, so he's been hurt. Um, and he's kind of in a bathroom, like, healing his wounds, and he's having a conversation with Al, the police officer, and we got, like, him saying, like, all right, like, very much of, like, I could die, and I kind of, like, regretting my past few years. And then Al mentions, uh, how... He hasn't shot a gun because he accidentally shot a kid. Um, oh, and it's so sad. done so well. Where it doesn't feel like it's forced melodrama. Like, it's not like, alright, we kind of have to add something. It feels so genuine. And so, and especially the end uh, really wraps it up so perfectly. Um, I really love Al's line after he says that. Where they can train you to be a police officer, but they... They can't teach you how to forgive yourself. Something like yeah. that. Um, I mean, just fantastic. Um, so I'm going to look up some fun little bit of uh, trivia. Because that trivia? Would, uh, yeah. Okay, so um, it released... Okay, so we obviously have um, conflicting beliefs on if it's a Christmas movie or not. But one of the things in your favor was the fact that it released in July. Now, that doesn't always mean anything. Uh, this year, ha- this year, the Haunted Mansion movie, uh, which was awful, released in July. Um, which, it stinks. You want to know why it released in July? Because it could release in Disney Plus on, in October. Uh, like, anyone's gonna be using Disney Plus? I hate Disney, uh, but, um, so yeah, released in July, um, got a ride release, um, later on, uh, how much did it make? It made between one, 139 and 140 million dollars, which, uh, nowadays would probably be considered not that good, you know, but I think back in the day, I mean... Um, you know, movies didn't have to make a billion dollars to break even. Um, do you know, where do you think this movie ranked, and and all the worldwide movies, like highest grossing of 1988, where do you think this ranks? 15. Uh, no. Um, this, it put, it got in at 10th. It is the 10th highest grossing. It was behind a big, starring Tom Hanks, um, which is really good. Um, oh, okay, so I'm gonna start from the top and then go down the bottom, because it's in reverse order. Okay, um, Rain Man, uh, starring Dustin Hoffman and Tom Cruise, I, that movie's amazing. Uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which is also an amazing movie, I saw that for the first time not too long ago. Uh, Coming to America, uh, starring Eddie Murphy, Crocodile Dundee 2, never seen any of those movies. Twins, Rambo 3, A Fish Called Wanda. Cocktail starring Tom Cruise and Big starring Tom Hanks. 
um, which that was the movie that I think that launched his career. So, um, pretty good lineup of like, I mean, nowadays, you know, all the top movies are like, you know, big blockbusters or franchise movies. I think the only one this year that's probably not, I think, is Oppenheimer. Um, but I mean, there was Rambo 3, Crocodile, and Crocodile Dundee 2. Those were the only two sequel movies. Uh, Rain Man was just, Rain Man was just an adult drama, and it was the highest grossing movie that year. Um, and it's funny, Rain Man was the highest grossing movie, it only made 354 million. Um, but it's very interesting now. Um... I'm going to, so, um, at the Oscars, it was nominated for Best Film Editing, Best Visual Effects, uh, Best Sound Effects Editing, um, Best Sound, yeah. Um, and one thing uh, I would like to bring up, Alan Rickman deserved an Oscar nomination for his role, like a supporting actor for Hans Gruber, like... It's insane how good this performance is and how it kind of, like, you know, a lot of actors after this tried to, you know, copy it, tried to copy what he's doing, and they don't work. I I would say he's one of the more iconic villains. Like, I think if you take out superhero villains, so you take out Joker, you take out Thanos, you take out any of those, if we're talking about just human villains, he's probably top most iconic. It's like him... Um, probably Hannibal Lecter in Signs of the Lambs. Um, I'm looking up, like, most popular human movie villains. I want to see. I mean, obviously Joker would be, is human, so. Um, yeah, I mean, he's there. Like, I would say he's one of the most popular. Um, there's, uh, Norman Bates from Psycho. Would probably be pretty iconic. Um, I, w- I would say the, the, the three. Loki? No, he's a supervillain. He doesn't count. So, yeah. He's I would not really scary, though. So, I would... I'm, I'm, so, I think it would be Hannibal Lecter, Hans Gruber, and... I mean, I don't even know if Norman Bates would make... It's those two. It's those two. I think we can... And then if we, if we add horror movie villains, then it just kind of becomes crazy. And if Hannibal Lecter's a horror villain... That's also up for debate. Um, yeah, it's a very interesting... I mean, I love... I'm a big fan of Science of the Lambs. I think it is fantastic. So um, good. Did you know... Because I, I was listening to a podcast about this last week. Um, that, like... Uh, I th- Yeah. So the Nakatomi Plaza, the building that it takes place at, um, was filmed at the headquarters of 20th Century Studios. Um, and so I think this was when it was still being, like, fully furnished, and, like, it wasn't finished then. Um, and they did this so the studio could use one of its own buildings and didn't have to, like, hold back on, like, the stunts or anything. They didn't have to worry about messing up an actual building that they didn't really own. Um... Why? I want to. I want to see more I, trivia. More did trivia. you know that there's a show from Silence of the Lambs? Yeah, Hannibal. 
I have not gotten the yeah. chance to watch it. I need, uh, 2023, or 2024 will be the year I watch a lot of shows, more than movies. I've already That's... made a note that I will not be, well, I think I'm very, I will not, I don't think I'm going to pass that line, but I will be very close to reaching 600 movies at the end of the year. Um, and I will be, at the very most, probably next year getting to two, 250 maybe, or 300, like half of it. Um, and then trying to watch more shows, because there's a bunch of shows that I've started, haven't finished, and I would like to finish them. Um, the costume department had, uh, I'm just going through trivia on IMDb, the costume department had 17 undershirts in various stages of degradation, degradation on hand for Bruce Willis. So he had, like, multiple different shirts, like, different levels of being torn up to give to him. Um, which is very entertaining. Um, in 2007, Bruce Willis donated uh, the undershirt to the Smithsonian Museum. I don't know if it's still there. That'd be pretty cool. Um, the There's a scene where um, Bruce Willis and Alan Rickman's characters uh, meet, which I'm going to pause here before I finish that sentence. That's my favorite scene in the movie. Um, so it's a scene where... John is walking around and to try to get the upper hand. Hans um, acts as um, a escaped prisoner or escaped hostage. And what ensues is about three or four minutes of a cat and mouse game where you can't really tell who is like on top of each other. You can't, you don't know who knows what. Um, we don't know if like John is kind of like. Like, he doesn't know that it's Hans, or... Like, it's really well done. And then, like, the camera starts tilting, and you're just getting as confused as the characters, and it's... That's my favorite scene in the movie. Um, I don't know if you agree or not. But no. No. I don't. Alright, but that is... That is... Uh, what am I go-to is my favorite. Um, my favorite is probably when Al mm-hmm. uh, shoots Okay, well, well, well I, I would like to talk about... Well, I, oh, I promise, we will definitely get to that. Because that is also one of the best ones. Um, for the shot where Hans Gruber falls from the top of the building. Uh, uh, spoilers. He dies. The villain dies. Whoa. Um, no! Alan Rickman was really dropped 40 feet onto an airbag with a blue screen cover. So he was dropped. Um, but obviously, he he's living. Well, he's not living now, but like he didn't die then. Um, but what? Uh, uh, here we go. So... Um, Back to, I didn't even finish it. So the scene with Bruce Willis and Alan Rickman where they're talking and you don't know who's, you know, more in control of the conversation. Um, they didn't rehearse that scene beforehand. Really? So that was just kind of, you know, just go on, just go do it. And that all kind of makes the scene even more, you know, can't really tell what's happening because, you know. Um, yeah. Uh, what else? Um, director John McTiernan. I didn't even notice this when watching it, so I might rewatch it, not, like, tomorrow or anything, but maybe sometime in the future and pay attention to this. Uh, director John McTiernan found it necessary to cut away from Hans Gruber's face whenever he fired a gun because of Alan Rickman's uncontrollable habit of flinching from the noise and muzzle flash. If you look at Rickman's face when he shoots Takagi, you can see him wincing. Um... Never even realized that, so I might have to so uh, check that. 
Um, the original script called for terrorists to hijack the building and for a superhero cop to save them. Uh, director John McTiernan modified the script to change the bad guys into thieves, pretending to be terrorists, so the audience could enjoy their intention of grabbing money. Um, he felt having terrorists as the villains would make the movie less enjoyable and give it a political angle, which he wanted to avoid. McTiernan also changed the hero, John McClane, to an everyday flawed man that rises to the occasion in dire circumstances. So basically, he came in and fixed all the problems and literally made it to the movie where that's like the things we were praising it for. Um, oh, wow. Okay, so we I, okay, so we're going to talk about your favorite scene. So, um, what's really interesting is like uh, Hans Gruber has a bunch of uh, sidekicks, a bunch of henchmen. And during different scenes, you can see uh, John McClane taking him out. And there's this one guy, one one villain, one henchman, um, very persistent. Um, and he gets into this scruffle and stuff. And near the end, uh, he, like, is still living. And he goes to shoot John McClane and his wife, Holly, which I we have not mentioned about Holly yet. Um, and he goes to shoot him. And then you hear a gunshot, and he gets shot down, and all you see is the gun, and then it's revealed that Al kind of finally got over, or finally overcame his guilt. And it is so extremely well done. Um, again, like, it's, like, obviously it's like, alright, we set this up, and this is gonna be a very cheer-worthy moment, but it doesn't feel forced. Like, it kind of feels like, like, it's really nice, and it fits what the character was building towards. Um, so yeah, I, I, when I was talking about it, we kind of completely forgot about why, uh, John McClane is even at this building in the first place, because he's a New York cop, and this takes place in LA. Um, and that's because he is there to visit his, I, wife. I don't think they're, I don't think they're divorced yet when this starts. No, they're just separated. They're separated. They're on, like, a break. Um, and he goes to visit her for Christmas, um, because she got this really nice job in L.A., and he really didn't think it was going to go anywhere. Um, that's why, and plus he didn't really want to leave his job in New York, and so they're kind of on the outs at the moment. And he's going to visit her and her his kids for Christmas. Um, and that's, he visits the building where she works at, then while they're there, these people show up, and they start, uh, you know, making the people hostages, and then John is able to, um you know, get out and try to save these people. So that's, again, very, very simple premise. It doesn't really try to, you know, do anything more than what it's setting out to do, um, which is, doesn't try to bite off more than it could chew. Um, one other thing is there's a... So have you heard of the director, Quentin Tarantino? Have you, you know, from the look that yeah. the listeners cannot see, you know. Um, he's responsible yeah. for movies... Like, um, Pulp Fiction, um, Reservoir Dogs, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Very great director. But one thing he is very, uh, infamous for is his, um, I have to, I'm gonna say this, and it's gonna, it's gonna sound weird, and that's cause it is, but he has a love for feet, um, to put it lightly. <laughs> and there are always a lot of feet shots in his movies like an aggressive amount of feet shots and there is also 
a Quentin Tarantino level of, like, emphasis on feet in this movie. Because um, when John McClane is flying over to L.A., um, he gets uh, um, advice from this one dude, because John does not like being on a plane, and that is to, like, when he gets off, um, get on carpet and take off your feet, or take off your shoes. Take off your Take off your entire, yeah, that's going to be great. Um, Take off your shoes and uh, put your feet on the carpet and roll your toes into fists. Um, And John does that. At the same time, the people show up. So he spends this entire movie without shoes or socks. And when there is... He's running around. There's parts where he's shooting and glass gets sprayed and just... His feet get messed up in this movie. And, you know, I think it also goes to show... And, um, again, listening to another podcast about this movie is... Even though I don't think... Even though I knew what was going to happen and I feel... Even though you probably didn't... There was never any time that you felt like he was going to die. But the, you know, injuries that he goes through makes it feel like he's a human, you know? Yeah. Like, it doesn't feel like... not invincible. Yeah. Like, a bunch of these big action stars, like, you know, anything Dwayne Johnson's in right now, make it feel like he literally can... armor. Yeah. Like, if he has, like, scrapes or bruises or something... Like, that's just for show. Like, he's not actually hurt. But, like, this dude, like, he's going through just pain after pain after pain. Um, and it feels real. And that's what I can, again, very similar to, like, the villains. We're just out for money. It feels real. Obviously, near the end where the big action stuff starts happening, it's like, alright. Stuff like that's not actually happening in real life. But it never gets cartoonish. Um, and again, like, never really generic. Um, and I think, again, whether or not it's a Christmas movie is, you know, up for debate. But, I mean, if you have it on during Christmas, I think with the Christmas songs, it still works. You know? Um, like, I feel like you could put it on during Christmas, and it would be really, really nice. Um, why, okay, I want to ask, why don't you think this is a Christmas movie? I'm I'm just curious. What is, what is your take on this? Okay, so I don't think it's a Christmas movie just because it doesn't have, like, that homely feeling. And, like, I don't know, it just doesn't feel very Christmassy. Does it, it's not something you'd watch with the family. I, I, like, mean, I don't know. There are there are nice feel of Christmas. There are Christmas movies that I wouldn't watch with my family. You know? Like, I'm not gonna sit down with my family and my younger siblings and put on Bad Santa. But that is... I've never, I've never seen it, but, like, that is most certainly a Christmas movie. Um, I'm not going to, like, go home and put on, um, a movie called Anna and the Apocalypse from, what year is this from? 
2017, which is a zombie holiday musical that actually exists that I really want to watch, but I have not gotten the time to. But I'm like, that's still a Christmas movie. Um, like, I think anything Christmas-related with horror, like, there's a good bit, um, Krampus, you know, that's one. Um, there's a whole franchise called Silent Night, Deadly Night, which, uh, never watched any of them, but I've heard are hilarious. Um. They sound terrible. Not in the, not in a good way of hilarious. Um, so I don't think it, they necessarily have to be, like, like, it's a wonderful life kind of Christmas movie where it's, like, happy and cheery and good times and, you know, happily ever afters. Like, I think they can... It's always interesting when Christmas movies try to... Like, adult Christmas movies rarely exist. So it's very interesting when they happen. Um, and I don't always... I don't watch a lot of adult Christmas movies. I, I mean, they're not a lot that exist. You know, like, the... The classic ones, you got, like, Home Alone and Elf and Christmas Story and National Lampoons for the most part, even though there are parts of that that are just very iffy on showing to little children who can't understand some concepts. So me, when I first watched it, uh, I will definitely be watching National Lampoons before the end of the year because the movie's really funny, but, um, I do, again, like, I think this is a Christmas movie because, like, Again, there's Christmas songs playing throughout it. I mean, obviously, it doesn't have to take place at Christmas, obviously. To, well, no, that was going to be wrong, what I was going to say. Just because it takes place at Christmas doesn't always make a movie a Christmas movie, but I think in this case, since it is around Christmas and their big his big goal is getting his wife to go home to his kids for Christmas, I think we're, and it ends on a Christmas song. I think that's the big thing. It, it ends in a Christmas song. Like, that is a very big part. Um, maybe one day I'll find out if, like, I'll do, like, um... A survey? A survey, yeah. And, like, figure out if how many people think this is a Christmas movie or not. Um, it's really, um, very... It's also a movie... I, I always love these. Um, very quotable movie. It's a very awful... Um, I can't repeat one line um, in reference to a cowboy... Do you, do you know which line I'm... No, but I don't understand why he's being referenced to a cowboy. Well, like, this kind of, like, you know, generic action hero. I guess they were big back then. Like, John Wayne was, I think, brought up a lot. Um, but then he, in response to that, he says, yippee ki and then a word that oh, I can't yeah. repeat. And that is... yippee MF. Yeah, and that has been very heavily referenced in other movies... Um, there's the part at the end of the trailer I played at the beginning where, um, he's in a vent and he's mocking, like, the current situation. He's like, hey, well, have some fun. Uh, I can't, I can't remember what the line was. Um, have a few drinks or something like that. And he's in a vent. Like, that, the vent scene has been referenced a ton. Um, and it's just a very, it's a very influential movie. Oh, um, for sure. It's like in a bunch, there's so many references in shows. Yeah. And- like, I think the only, I do remember, I think there's a Die Hard reference in the Lego Movie 2, and that's the first one that comes to mind, um, which is a fun, a very interesting one. I always forget that movie exists. Um, what, I'm, look, I'm now looking up references, um, in other, uh, uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, 
Uh, 22 Jump Street references it. Um, a lot of Brooklyn Nine-Nine stuff. Holy cow. Um, these are all times they mention it. I don't... I don't... I can't... I guess it doesn't really help me here. Um, I guess it's mentioned a lot in Brooklyn Nine-Nine, I guess. Um, which I have also never seen that show, unfortunately. Um... Same. I, I want to. I want to. Um, because I've heard it's really good. Um... But yeah, very influential movie. Again, like, it spawned off just a whole genre of films, of action films. Trying to recreate the quote-unquote magic of the film. And it, they never really work. Um, because there's always, like, these different kind of movies that kind of change. It's always interesting seeing movies that kind of change how movies will, and how studios will, like, react, and what kind of movies will be made afterwards. Um, I think yeah. the Bourne movies from the early 2000s kind of shaped up how action was going to move on. And now I think with the 2010s, I think it's John Wick and the later Mission Impossibles that have kind of changed. Like, that's kind of the early stages of the action movies. Um, yeah. And again, this one just kind of spawned a whole thing. And it's kind of, to take it for granted how you know, very, uh, simple this movie is. Um, yeah, I'm, like, looking this, I'm looking up on Wikipedia, and it's literally talking about how it served the blueprint for all movies that came after it. Um, because you have other, uh, examples. Uh, Under Siege from 1992 was Die Hard on a Battleship. Uh, Air Force One was Die Hard on a Plane. The Rock was Die Hard on Alcatraz Island. Um, that was a, that was a pretty good movie. Um, I mean, you know, it just kind of, uh, it's been a source of inspiration for a bunch of directors. I'm, I'm gonna go through some of the big ones. Uh, Darren Aronofsky, uh, directed movies like, uh, Requiem for a Dream and, uh, recently The Whale. Uh, Brad Bird, uh, directors of movies like Ratatouille and The Incredibles and Mission Impossible 4. Uh, Barry Jenkins, who... It's fantastic. He did uh, If Beale Street Could Talk in Moonlight. I mean, he's a fantastic director. Um, like, just these, you know, very famous... Uh, Gareth Ed Evans, who did um, 2014 Godzilla, Rogue One, A Star Wars Story, and the recently The Creator. Um, like... Yeah, so I'm... Okay, I'm gonna read this. Um, on Wikipedia. Right. It's on Wikipedia, so I'm, you know, not taking this word... But this is gonna, you know. This is all real. Here we go. All of this is complete facts. There has been much debate over whether Die Hard is a Christmas film. Those in favor argue that its Christmas setting is sufficient to qualify it as a Christmas film. Those opposed argue that it is an action film whose events happen to take place at Christmas. A 2017 YouGov poll of over 5,000 UK citizens. These are people from Britain, so I don't know if we can trust these people as word. But... Uh, determined that only 31% believed that Die Hard was a Christmas film. Those who did skewed under the age of 24, while those opposed were mainly over 50. A similar 2018 morning consult poll of 2,200 American citizens determined that only 25 supported its status as a Christmas film. So I think you, you're in the more popular group. 
I'm gonna stick it up I'm for the little guy. I'm sticking it up for the little guy. I apparently am also have an old soul. I guess so. Um. All right. So, any other final wrapping thoughts about this film? Any? Um, it's really good. It's, I, I mean, think it's worth the two hours. Yeah, like it's it's uh, it's 132 minutes. Like it's not short, but it. Never boring. Like, it is, like... It has a really good pace. I agree exactly. with what you said earlier. It like, you're, really you're never bored, but you never feel like, all right, this is going too fast. It needs to slow down. Like, it's very comfortable middle ground. Um, It is not currently streaming anywhere. At least not in anything mm-hmm. I have. So it's not on Netflix. It's not on Max. It's on uh, Hulu. It's not on Amazon Prime. It's not on Prime. Um, I'm looking up on Amazon. How much do you th- How much does this cost? It's like five bucks, I think. Yeah, like it's not even that bad. I think I have, I do have the collection of all movies at home. I got for like twenty dollars at Walmart. Yeah, it's five dollars for a DVD on Amazon. So they're, it's like not going to cost you a lot to watch this. So whether you think it's a Christmas movie or not, um, I would definitely check this out, especially during the holidays, because that make it's always nice to hear Christmas music in movies. Um, <laughs> Well, thank you, Audrey, again. Thank you for talking about Die Hard. Um, And we'll be back for another Christmas episode um, sometime later this week. And thank you for listening.